On another exciting entry of Animation Deliberation, we are covering episode 7 of season 4 of Young Justice, The Lady or the Tigress. And we plan on getting right into that after some ads that we have no say over whatsoever. So don't boom tube anywhere. We'll be right back. When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. Sing along if you know the words. One, two, three, it's time for animation, the liberation, a conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. I am your host, Jay Scotty St. Clair, and I am joined by the esteemed Zuhair Ali and Zuhair, before we get into things, I have one question for you. The lady or the tiger? Yes. <laughs> Great non-answer. Great non-answer. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the answer we got, too. Just, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually, actually a fair point. We got a, uh, a bit of a Schrodinger's cliffhanger, not to get too ahead of ourselves. Nice. But, yeah. So... It is a good time to be discussing brand new Young Justice, and I'm really excited to do it. But before we do so, we do have a little bit of housekeeping, um, including our five-star review and some non-Young Justice-related feedback. But before we do that, I do have to mention there's a new series out, a new Marvel series, not Marvel Studios, but Marvel on Hulu, Hitmonkey. And I've had the opportunity to see the first five episodes and I am really enjoying it. So I'm um, excited to cover that one. And I think we're going to bring in a special guest, a fellow panda, Mr. Blake Geilenfeld has been watching. And I think he's been enjoying it quite a bit from what I hear. Yeah, he got his uh, first crack at podcasting on one of our sister shows and doesn't seem to want to stop now. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he showed up on Avengers Assemble for Ghostbusters with the host of Spark Source Pages, uh, Haley Hobbs and Brian V. Klein there. So yeah, it'll be exciting to let him uh, share his thoughts in the animation world. With that being said, it's time for five-star review time. You wanted to sing that so bad. <laughs> Maybe I should make up a song for five-star review. So we got a five-star review from App Newbie. It's been a delight to listen to Jay Scotty and Zuhair. I didn't think I was going to start watching the animated shows, but suddenly I found myself watching and enjoying the programming and then listening to the guys break it all down. And I'm sure the theme song is now forever stuck in my head. Great job. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Excellent feedback. Makes me feel good about the full spectrum of content we're providing here, including the theme And wanting song. to make a new song. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for the five-star review. And I do encourage people to continue to submit five-star reviews. I've seen that we've continued to have our five-star ratings go up um, after our September review contest, but I haven't seen any actual um, written reviews. So always nice to to see those. Keep those coming in, guys, if you are 
folks, if you appreciate what we're doing, what we are doing here, we love to hear from you. And speaking of loving to hear from you, it is time to tackle some of that feedback we got. All right. So one of our hidden questions in the last episode is what is your Mount Rushmore of anime? And TJ Stafford shared my anime Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. (laughs) Get some ointment for that. (laughs) (laughs) My anime Mount Rushmore consists of Dragon Ball in all incarnations, My Hero Academia, Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, and Attack on Titan. Sword Art Online just barely doesn't make the cut. Demon Slayer would be in the top ranks, but for my profound hatred of Zenitsu, it's not bad enough for me to dislike the show, but enough to keep it off my top four. I'm sure Naruto would be up there too, but I missed that train back when it was on Cartoon Network as a kid, and I haven't been brave enough to try and tackle it yet. It's just so long. Still loving the show. I tune in as soon as I see an episode drop. Can't wait to see what you guys cover next once Young Justice is done. TJ Stafford. My, I agree with the dislike of Zenitsu. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, the shrieking in the dub and the sub just drives me nuts, but it's still on my Mount Rushmore. Okay, uh, Sword enough. Art Online, fantastic. Full Metal Alchemist, fantastic. All Dragon Ball, yeah. fantastic. My Hero, Attack on Titan. Can't disagree with any of those. Uh, Naruto, I actually did watch like in its early phases of Cartoon Network, so it was one of those things that I started in middle school and actually when it finished in college, like I—that's a weird thing to say. Like, yeah, it is pretty long. I started watching it in middle school and finished it in college. Wow, yeah, that's a Um, long-running series for sure. A very long-running series. I figured, I figured you would be uh, kindred spirits there with TJ when it came to the zenitsu kind of uh i won't say full-on hatred but <laughs> the dislike Dismay. there and um I, I tj does have to be like right around the same age as me because not only with like the mask of the phantasm feedback he he brought up but then just kind of like missing naruto when it was happening because i it was the same for me i remember like my younger brother who's a who's two or three years younger than me watching naruto and just kind of getting exposed to it. I've seen a fair amount of episodes and I'm familiar with a lot of the characters, but I have yet to take on that, um, that gauntlet for lack of a better description. But then, yeah, when I heard sort of online, that's not one that I've watched myself, but I uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Brian V Klein, friend of the show. And then Sarah day, they're both big sort on sort of online fans, right? I honestly can't remember. Okay. I, th- I think I, I knew that about them, but yeah. Anyway, definitely a solid list. I've only seen the first season of Attack on Titan, but I, I like Same. what I saw. Okay. Yeah, that was one of those ones. It's the one thing I don't like about anime is that you never really know when the next season is going to drop. And I get they have the thing where it's like there needs to be a certain distance between the manga and the anime. Sure. But like in regards to like just getting that information of like general time frame, it's it's one of those things like when Attack on Titan did drop for season two, I was like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. I need to get to that at some point. <laughs> that is kind of my my issue with like finally being caught up on anime and needing to wait for the next season. It's like, oh, just tell just give me a ballpark of when to expect this. Keep me in the loop somehow. Yeah, I got spoiled with My Hero Academia because the first four seasons were available in both sub and dub 
and I like to watch it in the dubs. So I'm all the way caught up through season four and then season five is there and I could watch the sub if I wanted to, but I kind of want to remain consistent. It's yeah, it's kind of tough to wait, but gotcha. Yeah. Cause you watched the movie end up too, right? I did. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. I've got plenty of series to bide my time in the meantime. So <laughs> no worries there. We had some uh, additional feedback, right? Yes. Aaron Deming said, I always listen to the end of the podcast, or at least until the ads start. My first animated movie was a rerun of The Jungle Book. Pretty sure my cousins and I were too young because we left early. The Page Master was my first full mostly animated movie as well. Nice. The worst movie-going experience I had was the original Spider-Man movie. Me and my best friend Jesse, a.k.a. Citizen D-Bag, had these punks, seriously, 90s dyed mohawks, behind us constantly screaming die spider-man die we were two preteen nerdy kids so we didn't say anything another time i unfortunately was the bad theater goer freshman Uh year of college jesse and i were invited to see an art house movie by some new friends we tried to be mature and quiet through the first half but when we sat through an hour of someone making tea i lost it (laughs) i (laughs) started I started cracking up at the ridiculousness of it. Jesse quickly joined me and it caught the entire group to laugh. It honestly was a real bonding moment to learn that we all thought the movie was boring and ridiculous. Aaron Deming, a.k.a. Sunny Tentris, and Influenza 06. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you have to you have to experience both sides of it. I, I think you have to be, you know, the afflicted moviegoer. And then the bad movie goer in order to, you know, have the the full experience. And I will admit as much as I try to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Preserve the movie theater going experience. I did have a, uh, an experience when I was a teenager. I, we, me and my friend were in middle school and we, had, we went to see Dickie Roberts childhood star. And my friend, for whatever reason, thought it would be fun to take his Sour Patch kids and just launch them into the audience and see whoever it is. I did not participate in that. So I wasn't as bad as him, but just being associated by company, I always (laughs) feel like that was my bad theater going experience. (laughs) I do have a story, but I know people want to get to the young justice part. So (laughs) just, just to, to lure you, I'm going to save that story for the end. So tune in for that because we got one more feedback from Shahara, AK Hera JK. Woohoo. Hey guys, I'm Weldon feeling the aster. The first cartoon I remember seeing in theaters was Little Mermaid. Yeah, I'm that old, but still can't resist a good cartoon. I maintain the mid-80s are the best time for cartoons. Prove me wrong. I love your covering of Young Justice. It's a cool series. I can't get the theme song out of my head. Keep up the good work. Shahara, a.k.a. Shahara, J.K. I'm not even going to argue if 80s were the best times of cartoons. I'm just trying to get people to watch animated context, so I'm not going to pin them against each other. (laughs) But if you like 80s more, then good on you. (laughs) The 80s definitely had some great animated series, like off the top of my head. Thundercats comes to mind. The Transformers cartoon definitely comes to mind. But I I myself gravitate towards the movies a little bit more. And I know we're we're at like 10 minutes in and people want the Young Justice content. But... uh, uh, just off the top of my head, she mentions The Little Mermaid, but like The Land Before Time, uh, Oliver and Company, all of those were the 80s. And those are, yeah, those are, are great films. And the thing about the animation from the 80s is it was actually 
a lot darker. Like if you go back and watch it, it's kind of like, I wonder if an entire generation was kind of like scarred by some of that dark <laughs> animation. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. And then I, I don't know if she's um, referring to the young justice theme song or the animation deliberation theme song. Cause I actually do find myself having uh, the young justice theme song. And I, I just, you guys got to sing its praises when you covered the first six episodes that I unfortunately wasn't able to participate in, but uh I, I do love that intro so much and just the it's got a little extra flair to it now too so good so good okay uh well i think that's all the feedback that we're addressing uh up front we yeah. will hit some young justice related feedback towards the end of the episode here but let's just we have uh, one more that and... needs to be played oh that's right that's right i'm getting ahead of myself we got some so audio feedback Woo. I don't got to read now. <laughs> Hi, Suhan. Jace Valley. Super excited to write in voices. Um, my question for you guys is about Lightyear, and I'm wondering if you think or what your opinions are. I know that we sort of got this in Toy Story 2, but if Lightyear does well, do you think that we will have some sort of Woody's Roundup um, movie? in the future um or do you think any other characters deserve their own movie um interested to we'll never know what she's interested in oh did it get cut off there <laughs> yeah it cut off yeah i think we can extrapolate she's she probably saying <laughs> something she's interested to hear like what we think about the possibilities there um not only for woody's roundup but maybe other toy story characters and i think we kind of teased it a little bit when we did our reaction but what what are your thoughts why do i vaguely remember saying that chris pratt would make a good woody you definitely did because i remember bringing up the fact that he was in magnificent seven i think we were kind of fan casting a little bit like if if woody were appear in like a post-credit scene and like a super um like the new pixar hyper realistic animation style (laughs) yeah um yeah, I mean, they've introduced enough characters in Toy Story to make that very easily possible. What was, uh, I, I might be putting you on the spot here. Uh, in Toy Story 4, Keanu Reeves voiced the Daredevil like stunt character. Do you happen to know? Was it Duke Kaboom? I want to say it was like Duke Kaboom or something like that, but. Uh, I would I would love to see more of yep, Duke, Duke Kaboom. Kaboom. Nice, nice. I'm glad I pulled that one. Uh, yeah, give me a Duke Kaboom series or a Duke Kaboom movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, between Bo Peep and Jesse and Bullseye, like it, it'd be so. It they they have what they need to make it. Would you want a movie or would you want like a Disney Plus series? Because it almost like lends itself to a series because we know it was a series. Either one would be fine for me. I okay, mean, I, okay. I obviously I want to see how Lightyear does first, but of course, of course. Um, yeah, I think we're in good hands there. I think, I think, I think, hands. I think, seeing a series of real life Woody is possible. Now, are you talking about like done in the same like hyper realistic animation style we're talking about here? Or are you talking about like a full on live? No, hyper realistic game. Okay, okay. Because I actually wouldn't rule out either one. It could happen. Could happen. Probably be a very limited series, but I, I could see something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
that was good feedback though that's that's a fun thought experiment yeah okay now that all the non (laughs) young justice related talk is out of the way we can finally get into this episode of young justice and i i kind of say that tongue in cheek i'm really grateful for all the all the feedback it's it's awesome that we're getting more engagement and being able to incorporate your all all your thoughts and and voices in the show it's great uh but yeah let's talk about the lady or the tigress and we talked off air you can basically kind of break this episode up into three separate stories i'll let you say what order you want to tackle them in and how you kind of broke them up by character but for me, the way I, in my notes, I kind of broke it up is that it's a orphan rescue mission slash origin story plus McGann kind of leaving Mars is kind of the, the crux of the episode. So the only one that I added to that was Orphan's origin and also kind of Barbara Gordon's story because oh, they, they did sure. a flashback a couple of times and the flashback is the one that I was most intrigued with because we we speculated like how Barbara lost her legs because at the end of season two, we see her being like the right hand man to lead the team. And then at the beginning yeah. of season three, she's Oracle, just full in the wheelchair. So it's like, what yeah. happened in that time jump? And the standard story for the killing joke is that Joker was just being Joker and shot her, hit her spine, lost feeling in her legs. But I did not only was I not expecting to see how she lost her legs, I wasn't expecting it to be the way that it was, because this episode was filled with like they they really were playing with our minds on how they wanted us to think things like is Onyx the mole is Savage the mole is this person on this person's side is that person on that person's side like they were really juggling with like what we thought that was going to be happening in this episode so the fact that they even showed us that Barbara was saying like she's like my sister we have to find her like if you need the whole bat family is kind of busy in the penguins cave which I just love that reference that they're just there doing Gotham things still we can can... two-faced turf war something like that yeah. it's like yeah we can we can call them right away and get to business but artemis was like no let's let's keep it with who we have right now mm-hmm. but with with the level of affection that she had for orphan we thought that there was a bigger story there i didn't expect orphan to be the reason as to why she lost her legs and right. the build-up to that event of joker being butthurt that vandal savage used the injustice League. Mm-hmm. to like you know hide their doings um and then joker going to the un threatening everybody that's in there the bat family is basically on that mission you see nightwing tim drake barbara batwoman mm-hmm. batman how did i say his last and one whose name i don't remember she has spoiler, blonde hair. Hmm? was it spoiler could be spoiler i don't know i think it was spoiler yeah um but for for orphan to be on that assassination mission and Mm -hmm. barbara to not protect the joker but actually take the hit from orphan's sword to protect orphan just seeing that it was a young person that was about to murder 
and the way that she screamed, like I jumped in my seat and just like yelled out. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. the way that they did that and then seeing everybody just pounding on Joker was just. Oh, yeah, that was hard to watch. It was really yeah. hard to watch. It it was incredibly emotional and evocative and, and moving. And I will say the show has kind of like played around with origins in the past and done some uh, retconning and uh, retroactively changed some things. But this did remind me a lot of like, I think about the other moment in Young Justice where my jaw like absolutely dropped. And it was in season two when Gar had that moment where he was on the planet and he just had that flashback where he realized his, uh, where he envisioned his mom dying and we got the, his origin that way and like realized how he became Beast Boy. I, I felt myself right there again. And just actually thinking about the moment again, I've got goosebumps mm-hmm. right now. It was done just so well, like knowing how much Barbara cared for and like making that comparison to her being a sister and just like hearing in her voice how desperate she was to find her. And to see how much she cares for her, even after what happened, and even as she's lying there, like it, with that look on her face, just kind of staring upwards, I can't imagine how much pain she's in, or just like the the horror of realizing you can't like feel your legs or something like that. But yeah. she's able to look at Orphan and tell her that she didn't do it to save the Joker; she did it to save her. Like that is just heart wrenching and, and moving stuff and it's it's incredibly well done and super poignant and oh wow I, I, I yeah I'm a lo- at a loss for word that's that's how good it is and yeah yeah I mean her mom Lady Shiva even mentions like you went on this mission and not only did you fail you betrayed us mm. Yeah. So it it makes you wonder, like, because there's the ongoing joke of like her and Batman getting along so well because she doesn't talk. <laughs> um, right. like, what did what did Batman do to save her? Basically, you know. But the fact that she almost killed somebody that we love as a character, sure, and then became part of that family was like that level of like understanding and forgiveness, like really is something else yeah and like every week it's like we find out more and more about orphan it's like you poor child Mm. yeah she's she's got it rough and we actually got the reveal that her name is cassandra which uh made for some nice dialogue with like not only the comparison between there's a lot of um allusions to sisters obviously artemis and jade as well as they kind of like play onyx and Cassandra Savage as these sisters of the, you know, um, as former shadows and potential moles or what have you. And then uh, you kind of get the, I might be pulling at strings a little bit here, but just knowing that they both shared the name Cassandra and just hearing Lady Shiva say that she wanted to give her Cassandra like the chance to redeem herself. Like I kind of felt like they were almost spiritual sisters in that regard as well. It's little things like that that just make me wonder if like the original character in the comics just happened to be named that and they're one of those characters, but like just wanted to keep the names. Yeah, that's a good question. I I think we did a brief. I don't know a lot about the character of Orphan, but I think when we did a brief lookup, I do think that's comic book accurate that her name is Cassandra. Uh, but I, I will say you mentioned how 
the Joker, his whole ploy there is is kind of what put everybody in position and made this incredibly poignant moment even possible. The Joker is still not my favorite. This is not my favorite iteration of the Joker. It's a significant improvement since the last time we saw him when he was part of the Injustice League or Injustice Society. I always get them confused. Uh, but I, I just still don't like this take on the Joker. And, you know, uh, kudos to the guy, Brent Spiner. I, I looked him up. He's a celebrated actor. It's, it's actually kind of funny. Um, he's from Star Trek as well. The guy that uh, voiced uh, what's the the bad tornado character? Was it Mister Twister? Like all the way back in season one, I think it was like Mister Twister or, or something like that. Uh, anyway, that was a Star Trek character, and Brent Spiner is actually known as Data from Star Trek: Next Generation. So I just think it's funny how a lot of these actors have gone on to become celebrated voice actors. But uh, mm. he's just not doing it for me. He seems like he's doing like a bad Dick Dastardly impression. That might be a dated reference. That's a, a wacky racers Hanna Barbera Hanna Barbera cartoon reference for you. Uh, but yeah. There are so many versions of the. I, joke I had a feeling there. that it's, this conversation would come up, and <laughs> I mean, you, you you nailed most of it. But the the positives that I'll put on there is that the character design looks really good. Yeah, and like his motions and his facial expressions were good. Sure, and his his way of mimicking the Riddler and like what the plot was on the UN, like the little gas bomb just hanging over with the silly spray mm. paint. Like all of that was very Joker-esque. I did appreciate all of that, but the delivery of the lines just wasn't doing it for me. Yeah. It's, it's a tough Like if you to threw do. Mark Hamill and just had him like redo the words, I feel like it could have been a lot better, but yeah. And then I can't help but like compare it to, uh, I've been watching, kind of sporadically but the harley quinn animated series they have alan tudyk's version of the joker does such a good job yeah yeah and he's obviously paying like a lot of homage to mark hamill but it's still like its own kind of thing and i just Mm -hmm. kind of wish they embrace something more like that like again to brett brent excuse me brent spiner it's not an easy thing to do when there are so many takes on this character to like carve out something unique but yeah just the kind of like shakespearean almost kind of like take just doesn't do it for me but i do appreciate some of the the good aspects that you were able to to point out there while we're still on the subject of the joker it is worth mentioning oracle did do another jason name drop Mm -hmm. so we still got that lingering from season three and then i think we've had some just non-speaking what was it um he he showed up at, at one point in the episodes you guys covered one through six when jade was like back on yeah, it was when Jensen, uh, right? it was when yeah. Talia first came up on screen with Damien in, in her that's arms. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Jason was like right behind her at all times. Yeah, because uh, yeah, what did Sensei say to her? You didn't come here to to die. You came here to live again, or something like that. Or maybe the opposite. You didn't come here to to kill. You came here to die. Something like that. I don't remember. Oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We're not covering that right now, even though we do know how. Every little thing is done with intention and no line is um, without purpose. That being said, I know one of the through lines with. Um... Oh, are, are you kind of ready to transition into the Artemis side of things? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of um, fitting talking about just like line references there when we got the Matt as a Hatter um, tease 
from Artemis, I, I knew that Jade was going to show up at that point in time. I honestly totally forgot about her. Like I was so, I was so locked into what was happening that I totally forgot about Jade. When she popped up, I was like, Oh, that's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, it was all of that. And I won't spoil, um, one of the lines she gives, but when they're talking about how it's like, initially it was four against two and mm. then jade shows up and she says odds are evening i was just like and then she as she knocks out uh cassandra. cassandra yeah i was like ooh, hell yeah all about this is just all sorts of hell yes for me <laughs> i'm loving shade's character design and the way that he oh, just yeah. ever so ominously pops up like oh yeah and I always have to keep in mind the way they did that episode back in season three, uh, the triptych episode when he was like shown to have like long hair and like a beard and almost kind of looked like the uh, white version of Jesus, like to always keep in the back of my mind that he went on <laughs> or maybe Dave Grohl is a better comparison. He kind of looked like Dave Grohl. <laughs> Jesus or uh, David Grohl, got it. From Foo Fighters, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just keep in mind that he once looked like that and now he's like this pale faced uh really cool looking like victorian jack the ripper kind of characters oh Pretty is that cool. not a mask oh i'm sure it is a mask yeah oh yeah but yeah i mean outside of uh jade's big appearance there towards the end artemis's big thing and like the namesake of the episode is the lady or the tigress or the lady and the tiger and she's kind of giving us this story about a barbaric king that basically his princess daughter falls in love with a commoner and is basically given the choice he can pick between two doors behind one door is a tiger behind the other is a lady for him to marry but the princess knows what's behind each door and throughout the episode we find out that the princess as much as she loves the prince she's also jealous of him so there's just as much potential that she might feed him to the tiger as that she might lead him to marry someone else and, and be able to continue his life. But the whole time she's telling the story, like you get this montage of Savage and Onyx, like saving each other and you keep questioning their allegiances. And I just, I, I thought it was really well done. And I, I loved how Oracle was there to provide commentary, but neither one of those quote unquote sisters uh, were aware of it at all because like there was the one little line there where, um oracle said like there was a third shadow there that i know you saw you're testing them aren't you yeah <laughs> yeah so i love little things like that what what do you think about the exchange and i mean you obviously sounded like you were really in invested when we got the reveal there towards the end did you have any strong guesses as to who the actual mole was or no i was getting a headache if anything just juggling <laughs> back and forth i mean that's funny i mean I guess I was going off stereotypes a little bit in which I was leaning towards Onyx because she just like fits the vibe of the group a lot more. Sure. But then I was like, is that what they want me to think? But in, in reality, like even if it was like 49% Cassandra and 51 for Onyx, like that's yeah. kind of where I was at. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fascinating how they did it. Cause first she had sword to her throat and then you find out that Cassandra had the glamour charm and it was, mm -hmm. yeah, I already got you as far as I wanted you, which was, genius by the way and she has the dialogue like oh i'm misusing this arm and yeah. it turns out her face wasn't jacked up and her eye was okay and i was like oh you savage on multiple yeah. regards you savage yeah 
yeah, I, I think they made the right choice. And I think we got some feedback that speculated that Onyx kind of fit the ilk of the team a little bit more. But outside of that, like Cassandra Savage's story about her sister's death, her sister Olympia's death being the kind of like the crux that was the changing point. I never really bought that because I remember in the moment how quick she was to be like, it was a mercy kill. Like you did it to, for her to die in your arms was like the ultimate kindness. Like that never left the back of my thought. I remember just how much of a devout follower of her father yeah. Cassandra was. So, And then I, I guess with like Artemis's tale that she was telling in retrospect or in hindsight, you can kind of look at Cassandra as the princess because they like talk about the barbaric king and like they focus in on Cassandra the entire time that dialogue's happening. So, yeah. I did like uh, when Artemis in the cave told both of them to stay well and they were just so confused. Yeah. <laughs> that dialogue just has to pop up. It's like, it's part of the show. Like, you can't not mention it whether they're confused or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's. So second nature to us at this point in time. No, for Whelmed, sure. Aster. We're st- still getting used to ejected, but uh, yeah, it was a, a great little callback there. Now, I don't think I have anything else to talk about the Artemis and Onyx and Cassandra storyline, unless you do. We have to deal with cliffhangers now. We do. We, we have do. to wait every week. After a 30-minute episode. <laughs> and all of you people that I sucked into the show, you can suffer as I did for all of season two and three. You're welcome. Oh, you're not vindictive at all. <laughs> <laughs> Though I do have to say, like, because this show's not as big as the MCU shows, like, I don't have to wake up at the crack of dawn and watch it before going to work. Sure. Like, I can actually go about my day and just peacefully watch it while i'm fully awake in the evening without having to worry about spoilers yeah there won't be spoilery gifts all over yeah. twitter within an hour of release yeah i get because the you know the people who write in feedback are super considerate and just writing it in the subject the people who text or private message me um you know say like hey have you seen it first anybody who posts anything on the stranded panda chat like they've been doing a great job in nesting so thank you guys for not making me have to wake up at the crack of dawn because I am not a morning person. <laughs> and I get to get on like right after watching it. So it's more genuine. Yeah. That's the way we like it. That's the way we like it. Genuine. Lucky for uh, you. We got a great that's community. what I like. Mm-hmm. All right. So the third part of the story was definitely got the least amount of screen time, but that didn't make it any less um, heartbreaking. I don't think we were expecting any screen time. Yeah, that's true. The episodes had been pretty compartmentalized in terms of the narratives. We had this story on Mars um, and then this Earth-based story. And this was kind of the first time we've got cutaways to different things. But we really did not spend that much time on Mars. I think we had the opening scene on Mars. I think there was one transitionary scene in the middle and then maybe the scene towards the end. And then obviously the end credits there. I'd say the the opening scene was the most eventful. Obviously, her brother there. Um, I'm gonna do my best to pronounce this. Ma'al Fala Ek is uh, celebrating with his cohorts that the gene bob didn't necessarily wipe out the uh, 
the Bladen and the Garoons, but it still was an act of terrorism that incited a lot of fear. So they're celebrating, but then McGann comes in and just starts wrecking shop. She is angry. She's got John Jones with her and she immediately pins him to the wall and is like, why? And he, he wants to know they had it, had it coming. Like, they, like, why are you reacting? She's like, no, not them. Connor. And he's like, what? You react about this? Him? An earthling? She's like, no, you know what he was. You used kryptonite specifically to take him out. And I don't even know what kryptonite is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I scratch my head at that a little bit. I, it seems like this, um, they've established in the past that the galaxy or the universe seems to be a lot more connected and people know about things. But I guess that's possible. Uh, he doesn't know about crypto. I mean, the anyway, Martians she... have been kind of like isolating themselves for a while. And then we had the dialogue from Hawkgirl saying that like whatever traces of kryptonite, like there are, there is nothing left in the Milky Way that hasn't been accounted for. So yeah, I don't think unless he like really got into Connor's mind or into McGinn's mind, which I don't see happening. True. Like he, I, I don't see him really lying at that point. Well, we know he wasn't lying when she searches well, his yeah. mind. Yeah. Which is. Yeah, I thought she just... was going to jack him up. I thought she was like, I don't care that you're my brother right now. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we were going to have another Caldor situation where he was yeah, and when the brain fried. Uh, when they started throwing the rocks at her, I was like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> she can throw planets at you, my guy. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't even give him the time of the day. Bodies are just flying. Um, her hair is like flared up in the air and she's got like those demonic eyes. Just yeah. oh. And you kind of feel like John Jones is there just to keep her from going too far because he doesn't we'll be really back. do anything. We'll be <laughs> back, Uncle John. Exactly. We'll be back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, but it is it is really heartbreaking when she finds out that he wasn't lying and she just kind of like immediately crumples in on herself, allowing him to have the opportunity to escape via boom tube. But her question is like, who do I blame? Yeah. Who do I blame? And just I ha- kind of have to like believe that she right then and there is probably blaming herself like that mm-hmm. that was the reason he was even on mars in the first place uh, yeah because it's like her purpose at this point is just revenge yeah. i need to avenge my now husband who was only her husband for like 30 seconds mm. um so at that point it's like what is my purpose now like we came here for the sole purpose of just getting married and then i lost my husband and now i don't even know like who to be mad at or who to get revenge on like what what is my purpose for being here now like what am i supposed to be living for if not what i came here for yeah yeah absolutely heartbreaking and i mean we had her just sobbing in that in the end credits for the episode when he actually got taken out but yeah it'll be interesting to see how they resolve that story of of grief and um i guess it is encouraging to see like john seems committed to like helping her process this because we could dig a little snippet of him communicating with hot girl where she doesn't have any leads for him unfortunately but he is like putting the feelers out there trying to figure out what happened trying to give her some answers so she's not blaming herself and it's not only john that's helping her out but they had you know there was a big moment between her and her sister and how oh sure McGann was blaming her sister, her older sister, for not ever being there for her. And now that they're coming back to Earth, she was like, hey, I want to come with you. Like, let's be sisters. Let's give this a try. But McGann is just so broken 
from mm. losing Connor that she just doesn't care. She's like, come on. I, I, I just whatever. Like, I just have things to do. I don't know if I'm going to come back. I'm not playing anything. I don't care. Like her family is really heartbroken for her and they don't know how to help. Um, and it's just, again, like the show does such a fantastic job. It's just expressing grief. Like it's not something you just get over overnight. Like there's been trauma from season one that we're still dealing with. And this mm-hmm. is something new on the books that um, us as an audience are going to have to like essentially grieve with her, like see how she goes through it and works through it and constantly brings this loss back up. And it's, um, it's heartbreaking, but it's interesting where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all there in the vocal performance. Yeah. Like you mentioned her various family members showing a lot of enthusiasm and care and you can just hear it in their voices, how, how much they're hurting for her, but she has nothing. She's just completely closed off and it's, it's really tough. We've seen McGann go on such a journey of self-discovery and become comfortable with herself and deal with a lot of trauma that you you alluded to already. But just to hear her basically be so broken is, yeah, just breaks my heart every time. But I think that's everything I have to say. Uh, well, I did want to mention, I didn't get to mention it when we were talking about Oracle, but that little device that she was using to kind of like scope out the area. Hello, um, having just, what's that? Her little spy drone. Her little spy drone, yeah. Um, having just, you know, done some coverage for Dune, having read the book and watched the movie, I could not help but get like Hunter Seeker vibes. Uh, uh, that's fine. Yeah. And then uh, I don't think it'll come up with the final pieces of feedback that we got, but we did have, you know, in the closing credits there, John Jones, uh, McGann, and Emery all on the ship looking kind of bored and just doing their thing. But you did have. Artemis actually reading excerpts from Frank R. Stockton's short story um, from 1882, The Lady or the Tiger. And there's a line that she says, deliberation. <laughs> and albeit it's anguished deliberation, but it's still an A word and then deliberation. So I'm, <laughs> I'm taking it. Young Justice said deliberation. Artemis, one of my favorites, said deliberation. So we're taking Fantastic. it. <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's, uh, unless you have anything else you want to bring up, let's move on to the Young Justice related feedback. Yeah, um, I'm not sure how much of it is them being bored or the fact that it is an hour trip of nobody wanting to talk. So it's like, that too. It just seems more like very awkward silence than. Yeah, somber. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the voice of the people. Woohoo! Are we listening to the actual voice or are we reading first? I can't remember. Uh, Yeah, we can play from Mr. Andrew Rogers and then we can read off from Mr. John Irons. Woohoo! Hey, Zoo Hair and Jay Scotty. I thought I would record a little bit of feedback for you guys. I had an email typed up, but after uh, Zoo Hair gave me a little bit of a razzing in that light year episode, <laughs> I figured I would record it to save you guys a little bit of trouble. Uh, I just had some feedback for this week's episode of Young Justice, episode seven. I thought it was an awesome episode. It was one of my favorites, but we talked a little bit last time about why there would be moles on the team. 
And uh, I did confirm that Ra's al Ghul is no longer the head of the Shadows, so who are all of these moles reporting to? Is it Lady Shiva? Is it Deathstroke? Is it Savage? And that's why they're sending Cassandra? Or is there someone else that is a bigger bad that is, you know, after the Justice League secrets? I mean, it could be any people. Just curious what you guys were thinking about that. And then, you know, I just wanted to gush about this episode a little bit like I do with all of them. The Batman story is incredible. I love every moment of it. And then I just love that DC can change up the storylines a little bit. I know this was a different origin story for Oracle um, that I wasn't prepared for. I was expecting the usual one that we got out of other DC material like the killing joke. So I was totally aghast. I loved all of it, and, uh, you know, just for Zuhair, I absolutely loved that Whelmed is coming back. Stay Whelmed, of course. Uh, thank you guys so much for doing what you do. You do a fantastic job, and I uh, can't wait to hear what you think. I actually had a feeling that he would be just as shocked with the the spine-severing scene as I was, so I texted him the second it happened. I was like, oh, shit! He was like, did oh. you finish the episode? I was like, no, I'm not even done yet, but... Ah! Yeah. Anybody that's even remotely familiar with the killing joke, yeah, I imagine their jaw hit the floor at that moment. So you're yeah, not alone, just, Andrew. <laughs> I can't get over just the way that she screamed. Yeah. Um, I guess the other big takeaway from his feedback that I, I picked up on there is um, just talking about him doing the research to confirm that Ra's al Ghul is no longer the head which i guess makes sense because the last time we saw him we got he got impaled and we don't know exactly how long the lazarus pit process takes place in this particular continuity uh, but for my purposes it seems like it's lady shiva and deathstroke i don't know if there's um, a third party that they're referring they're they're um reporting to that might be a representative of the light but it seems like they both have their like place on the light board so it's kind of feels weird to say the light board <laughs> so Razagul got stabbed at the end of season two, and we saw him in season three when he said that he wasn't. At the time, I oh, thought he just right. wasn't yeah, part yeah, of the light, I but I guess he that. wasn't part of the League of Shadows either. I forgot about. I that. mean, yeah. in not to like compare properties too much, but in Judas contract, it was mm-hmm. Deathstroke that took over, so it could be one of those things where like. Deathstroke is leading the League of Shadows while being a member of the Light, like Razagul was, and Lady Shiva is just the enforcer. That could be. That's one thing I can come up with. Yeah, uh, I know Deathstroke has made a lot of appearances in a lot of different films and series and, and comic runs and whatnot, but one thing that I do remember about his character is that he tends to be more of like the mercenary type. So I just always kind of question, you know, initially it made sense for him to work for the light because it just like whoever pays him the most. Yeah, I'll, I'll work for you. But uh, I, him being a leader of the shadows. Yes. Him being the sole leadership member in the light. I don't, I don't know if that makes as much sense to me, but I don't know. Anything's possible at this point in time. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of revelations there. It's definitely something they're teasing. Luther could be paying him to do it too. Who knows? Well, that's that's true. That's fair. Uh, All right, anything else from Andrew's this? feedback you wanted to highlight? Hmm, I don't think it's anything we haven't said yet. Okay. Cool. I will always or... find a reason to razzle him, though. 
<laughs> we appreciate you, Andrew. All right. So yeah, our next piece of feedback was a last minute piece of feedback from John Irons, AKA Captain Game Show. Uh, I encourage everybody, if you haven't checked out the podcast, Captain Game Show, go check that out. He's uh, just a quick little description of it. It's a basically like a game show turned into a podcast. So lots of puns and little wordplay games and improv stuff. Definitely a lot of fun. And I had the opportunity to appear with a couple of other pandas. All right. I know he loves Young Justice and he was excited to provide his thoughts. So here we go. Quick thoughts. Beast Boy being a jerk wasn't entirely his fault. Oh, I guess I should mention that he's uh, bringing up some things from uh, previous episodes we covered. So again, quick thoughts. Beast Boy being a jerk wasn't entirely his fault. He got brain blasted and wasn't in his right mind. Also rewatched that episode Volatile. And I think I heard imaginary Brion say something about Gar. Excuse me. Say something about getting Gar for the secret you both kept. I could be wrong, but there's clearly something up with that kid that he hasn't talked about yet. Mm-hmm. I'm still holding out hope that Superboy is alive. Wait, hear me out. The Young Justice universe is basically its own timeline, reimagining some events differently than what happened in, in Justice League or Unlimited. Maybe in this timeline, Superman hasn't been killed by Doomsday yet, so they don't know about the death-like coma of regeneration. And don't forget that we have three people from the future. I don't know who they are and didn't think and didn't look them up. Hashtag no, no spoilers. Uh, who can avoid detection and are here in our time for some important yet undefined mission. I think that they came to save him. Fingers crossed. Once again, the scene where McGann's mom acknowledged that was her true form was amazing. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Oh, and then his, his next stuff is for the new episode. Um, do we want to highlight anything there before we move on to his feedback for the new episode? The point about Doomsday mm. is interesting that his body could actually just be chilling in the lava right now. And because they, they put a lot of emphasis on him not having his full power because he hadn't been charged by the sun in a bit. So his body could be chilling in the lava and somebody could just need to extract and put him in the sun and let him regenerate. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of that rule of comics. If you, well, I say it's the rule, but the, the rule doesn't even get followed in the series when it comes to, wally west but they say if you don't see a body they're not actually dead and uh i mean yeah wally's body got kind of like eaten up by the speed force i guess so maybe he still exists within the speed force and maybe there's still a potential for him to appear and maybe if not in season four maybe even in season five if that's a thing uh but i do have my own reservations about whether or not superboy is actually dead or not yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they brought him back, but it would also be a big move for the him for them to just oh, kill yeah, him off for sure. We haven't, the season. Yeah, we haven't had that big of a loss since uh, since Wally. I mean, and he's got that statue or like holographic statue right there alongside Wally. But um, if they do bring him back, I'd wonder how early in the season they choose to do it. If they really will let us like dwell on this grief with McGann, we will. Uh, we will have to see. Um, outside of that, I do appreciate the fact that he brings up that like Gar is dealing with things and you guys, uh, brought it up when you did the, the coverage as well, but I just really did appreciate the fact that the show always does a great job without like beating you over the head about it, but it's obviously a show that's geared towards, uh, not only a more mature audience now that it's moved to HBO max, but 
it still has those messages for a younger audience and advocating for mental health and, and seeking help and seeking therapy is something that just really spoke to me in addition to the sibling stuff. Like I grew up with siblings and I, I know how it is to have older siblings and younger siblings and to feel like that, to just be say, Hey, I was just a kid too. Like we were all going through it together. It's just, uh, they, they just do it so well. And it's so appreciated that they can tackle those things and give people the avenue to actually talk about serious things. So. Yeah, and when he mentions the the secret you both kept, like in my head, I went straight to, I think it was Nightwing and McGann that didn't mm. tell him that they knew where Tara was. Oh, right. Um, so it it just totally skipped my mind that Gar wouldn't have known about that he was just as upset mm. as Brion was. So yeah, I don't know what they're referring to in that time jump. Yeah, yeah. We will have to. Wait and see. We have a, a lot of questions early on in the season, not a, not a lot of answers, but that seems to be par for the course for a season of Young Justice. Yeah, yeah that's right. And uh, I just agreed. Yeah, uh, McGann's mom acknowledging like her true form and that her former White Martian form was like psychically false. That was really good stuff. And again, like the show has tackled identity and uh, you know. I'll just say identity for lack of a, a better description and just like, you know, finding out who your true yeah. self is and what, even if that defines like normal vocabulary or what have you. So always, always good things. Okay. Uh, well, let's move on to his feedback for the new episode that we just talked about. So he says, okay, new episode. I honestly had no idea which trader was the fake trader and the way they called back the infiltrators from season one and the glamour spell from season two was great. I actually don't think I picked up on the infiltrators being from season one, so definitely a good call out there. Trying to do more than just font over the show, but it's so good. The pacing of the series is nearly perfect. They set up mysteries, large and small, and are consistently solving them. Who's the traitor? What happened to Barbara? So things stay satisfying. The audience doesn't get bored or frustrated, and we're so distracted with the new information we've gotten that by the time the payoff excuse me, by the time they pay off some big mystery they set up eight episodes ago, you've forgotten all about it. I'm probably overthinking this, but since they played the end of the Lady of the Tiger over the closing credits, it made me wonder if the story is not only applied to what was going on with the Shadow Defectors, but also somehow what was going on with Began and her sister. I really hope there's no deception in her coming to Earth, but I guess we'll wait and see. Ooh. Now that is some food for thought because I, I didn't bring it up, but I jokingly did make in my notes that Emery is pretty quick to give up her like position as what, like chief science officer or something like that. Like she was reporting directly to the queen. Yeah. Um, I think he might be onto something there. I, I thought about like why they would have Tigress's dialogue over that credit scene like it did seem mm -hmm. suspicious um but obviously barbara's screens just still going through my head so i didn't think too much on it it actually made me wonder if it had something to do with like you know we we'd mentioned schrodinger before so it's like is superboy alive mm -hmm. or is he not alive like right now his body's just in the box right which one is it uh so i kind of i kind of went towards that direction but yeah, it there could be something to why her sister is there, especially because like 
did they figure out who sabotaged the boom tube? Like no, and that's or the um, Zeta tube. So the character didn't make an appearance in this episode, but they popped up a couple of times in the in one through six, and I can't remember which one specifically. But we had that character that seems to be a time traveler as well. Oh think, right, uh, right, 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 right. Acting the opposite priestess. those um, um those three time travel time travelers we've seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there could be something there. I mean, I hope she doesn't have any malicious intent because God, McGann's going through enough as it is. But, um, well, it was that like Young Justice doesn't do anything true. just to do it. There's a reason that the dialogue was over that end credit scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Doctor Helen Jace can make the betrayal that she made in the last season, I it wouldn't surprise me if if Emery does have some uh, ulterior motives, I will say, but I hope not. And I'm going to be interested to see how Gar reacts to her arrival. He's like, I thought I finally got away from my, my, you know, the phantom of my dead surrogate mom. <laughs> Here you are again. <laughs> so I looked up which episode that it was that the infiltrators popped in. And apparently that was the first episode that black spider came in on. Oh, nice. He wasn't quite yeah, as was quickly, when, um, but he was there. It was when Red Arrow was questioning Artemis being on the team okay. and suspecting that she was the mole. But yeah. it started off with Red Arrow protecting that doctor and getting her away from the League of Shadows and then going to the team for help. Yes, yes. I remember that episode quite a bit now. Yeah, because you had the great moment where they're all communicating telepathically and the doctor's just kind of like, can you make it stop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I I think that's all the, the feedback that we've got now, right? I believe that's all of it. Okay. All right. So clocking in at right around an hour uh, for a single episode of Young Justice with plenty of feedback seems about right. So uh, I will say, you know, I encourage you to check out our backlog of all the great shows that we've covered while we're waiting week to week for Young Justice. We'll take little avenues here and there to um, do some additional coverage. I know um, I need to reconvene with Brian V. Klein about when we're going to do the Cowboy Bebop primer for the live action Netflix adaptation that's coming out really soon, but I already teased Hitmonkey. And yeah, just check out all the great things Stranded Panda is doing. StrandedPanda.com, you'll find the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, the Star Trek Universe podcast, Superhero Ethics, Source Pages, which we've mentioned. Um, Lots of great shows there. Anything you want to plug? I think we got everything. We are doing Young Justice every week until December 30th, because that'll be the last episode for the first half, and then they come back in the spring. Mm -hmm. Um, So make sure we record on Thursdays after we see it. So send in your feedback, and we'll read it off. Even if it's something that goes by, we'll be sure to catch it on the episode afterwards. Um, Aside from that, now we can share my story of when i was obnoxious oh that's right yeah let's hear what you got all right so me and my sister went me my mom and my sister went to visit bakasan for the first time in 2015 and we went to the movie theater and first off we were really thrown off by the fact that they like you have to stand up for the national anthem in bakasan before the movie starts oh wow so like you go through all the you go through all the trailers and we're just like sitting there like you know popcorn in our lap drinks in our hands like 
do do we really have to stand up for this? And everyone stood up and like, oh crap. So we're like being like totally obnoxious and fiddly, like trying to get up and do this. Like very disrespectful of us. Oh, wow. But nobody warned us either. Like we're there with our family and that it weren't like, hey, by the way, this is a thing. Sure. Um, I guess I thought in the States that we did. No, we are not that patriotic, apparently. <laughs> um, so stood up for that, sat back down, Bollywood movie starts. And then I realized, oh, we're in Pakistan. We don't need subtitles in a movie theater. And I was like, oh, no, I'm screwed. Like, I'm decent at Urdu, but not enough to, like, really keep up with the movie. Oh, sure. And this movie, Bajir Mastani was like, like... Like it, it was a it was a wartime movie where they were still using swords and okay. like it was very village villagey, right? Okay. So we're going through this opening dialogue comes in and I'm just sitting there so confused because I don't understand a word they're saying. <sighs> My sister, who's better at Earth than me, I nudge her and I'm like, "What's going on?" She was like, "I don't know. I was hoping you understood." <laughs> and I was like, "We no, there's no subtitles. I don't know what's happening because not only was the Hindi really hard for me to track, but it's like Shakespearean Hindi ah. to like match the time frame of the movie. It's like oh, the okay. Mughal Empire. So I'm like, oh no. And this was like a three hour movie. Like there was oh, an intermission man. in the middle of it. So me and my sister are just like, let's just make up dialogue. <laughs> so we're like reading the room and we're just, I'm just, I'm like voicing the people, like translating what they're saying, but it's just like, not related to what's actually happening at oh, all. That's great. So we are just cackling in the middle of these like really intense scenes. And my uncle's like, somebody just died. Like, what are you laughing at? I was like, I don't know what's happening. I'm just making up the dialogue. So then he just like starts perching his ear over too, because he's bored with the movie. So he's like more intrigued with what we're doing. Nice. And we're just laughing and laughing and laughing. And then when the intermission comes over, we like turn around because like my mom and my grandpa and everybody are sitting behind us and they just have the most pissed off looks like what is wrong with you guys oh, no. why are you so loud <laughs> like, i just I, I don't get it this, this movie doesn't make any sense to me i'm sorry yeah so that is definitely the most obnoxious i've ever felt in one because i needed to kill three hours of my life uh, I, in the great scheme of things i think yours was much more innocent than yeah. aaron or mine so yeah, I, I treasure the movie experience of course, too of much course. to like be obnoxious, but that was just one of those things where I was like, ah, I gotta make the most out of this because I don't know what the f*** they're saying. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. I have not been in quite the same experience, but yeah. Good. I think like <laughs> it's gonna Bollywood sound really movies bad. are not short. What's that? Bollywood movies are not short. Okay, I, I was gonna say the closest thing to that I've probably experienced is I remember growing up when i'd visit my grandparents i'd go to a church with them and for whatever reason the age cutoff for sunday school was like super young so my two younger siblings were able to go to like sunday school and i would have to sit through the service with my grandparents and it was mm. so incredibly boring <laughs> <laughs> okay we are off the rails and uh but this was a fun episode always a pleasure to discuss some young justice thanks again to everybody that submitted some feedback continue to do so you can do that at animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com or at our various social medias we've got the instagram up and running the twitter uh the facebook page is up and running as well so hit up all those places that's all for me this week so i will say keep tuning in that's t-o-o
and I am. Stay well. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. At Solomon Brothers Jewelers, their customers always come first. They're a family business that has been setting the standard of customer care for over 30 years. They have thousands of in-stock options for wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds, and can promise the lowest prices at the highest quality. A diamond marks a new chapter in your life. Trust Solomon Brothers experts with commemorating the most precious moments in your life. Visit SolomonBrothers.com today to begin making memories. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things. With a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was hoping hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the line's being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was hoping hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today.